This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. On today's show, social worker, performer, and author Bridget Dangle Gaspard is here with her book, The Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals. She will talk about how to make it to the finish line instead of stopping seven-eighths of the way there. And our featured artist this week is singer-songwriter Trevay Williams. Trevay is a talented singer, dancer, choreographer, actor, and musician. You will hear his latest single, We're Gonna Be All Right, later on in the program. But first, let me introduce you to Bridget Dangle Gaspard. I love books that help you take one step closer to finding your bliss. And that's really what the final eighth enlist your inner selves to accomplish your goals is really all about. The author Bridget Dangle Gaspard is also a licensed social worker and a former performer who earned a master's degree from Columbia University and also teaches at numerous professional settings, including the Omega Institute. Known originally as Puck's Child, Bridget was born in Stratford, Ontario, Canada, where her father acted in Midsummer Night's Dream at the Stratford Festival. I love that. Following in his footsteps, or Poulain, she pursued dance, acting, and comedy. Her astute observations, particularly of unspoken dynamics between people, her sensitivity to micro and macro injustices, her sense of style and her love of opposites fueled her philosophy of life. In her pursuit to engage her creativity, she stumbled upon improvisation, both movement and performance-based. She also discovered voice dialogue, a simple yet powerful technique of listening and communicating with our inner selves. This was developed by the doctors Sidra and Hal Stone, with whom Bridget trained and became her mentors. And ultimately, all of her training and life experience led to this beautiful book that I'm holding in my hands right now called The Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals. Welcome, Bridget, to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Your book, The Final Eighth, is fascinating. Can you tell us about that evocative title and what it means? The final eighth is failing inside of victory. And it's for people who work hard, get seven eighths of the way there, and then find themselves mysteriously stalled in front of their finish line. And it can be anything, financials, career, relationships, health, creativity, personal transformation. And as I started to grow my private practice, it suddenly came to me, this is the final eighth. That's the term that came because over and over, I saw hardworking, talented, motivated people and in all different kinds of fields. So it wasn't just creative fields. It was lawyers. It was bankers. They would get so far and they would stall and not know why. And at first, I didn't know why either. It's so fascinating. I want to go back to a wonderful um, quote that you wrote where you talk about how many years ago on a midsummer night's or midsummer's afternoon rather walk deep in the forests of Northeast America, you looked up and in the distance at the top of a hill were two trees. 
and you remarked that they looked like sisters, even twins, and that they could have sprung from the same seed and had certainly shared many seasons side by side. Both were tall and splendid, and one of the trees glistened and flirted outrageously with the sun, slapping at the breezes with shimmery green leaves, so gorgeous. The other, also singularly enchanting, was dead. One tree was luminescent, the other arresting. One was playful, present, and full of potential, the other finished. What was the significance of this powerful imagery for you? It was a very profound moment because I was in doing what they call a medicine walk, where you go out in nature and you look to see what nature has to share with you. And that's what happened. And it was so profound on many reasons. One, it's natural. You've got several parts that are flirty, fun, sassy, and then you have other parts that are depressed or even parts that have died, like from, say, an empty nester can have the infant mm-hmm. caregiving part die. So some of it's the natural seasons of life and you have to let go of parts. But in that moment, I got a sense of two things. One, that you can embrace both because life is both. And the other thing is, if you constantly defer to the dead parts of you, as in speaking about the trees, you don't make your live parts more alive. Because I think so often people misplace their loyalty to the past, to what has died to what was never allowed to live maybe in the early days but if you gave it some nurturing now it could come alive and and that helped a lot with guilt you what it's what i call you have good grief to say goodbye to certain things but a lot of people hold on to the sad no longer alive stories out of some distorted guilt that they haven't explored and it's like don't feel guilty when you are with the sun and enjoying it for those that aren't because they too will have their time in the sun just like every season comes by again and you'll be in the more dead season and so I got the fullness of life and embracing both I find it fascinating that you grew up in Stratford, Ontario, near the Stratford Festival. Your father was an actor. You were referred to as Puck's daughter. And you were surrounded by actors and fairy tales and magic and wonder. How do you think all of this shaped who you are and the work that you do? You're right uh, that it's partly my water. So it took me a while to understand if I were a fish, I wouldn't be able to recognize water. So metaphor and story and embodying different parts. I used to help cue my father with his lines, which means you read the other people's lines and then he would read his. And so that way he would get to know his cues. And that was so much fun because I could embody every other character in the play. And so this idea of playing with different energies and embodying different points of view was just natural. Plus, I think both my parents were Geminis. Maybe there's a little bit in there. (laughs) (laughs) You were mentored by Hal and Sidra Stone, who introduced you to the concept of the voice dialogue. What exactly is the voice dialogue? 
So voice dialogue is a really a revolutionary method of dialoguing with distinct parts of yourself. And we call them alter egos, inner selves, subpersonalities, personas. The idea being that every single part of you has the noble purpose of protecting your vulnerability. And so when you dialogue with them, you get curious about their point of view and also about where they are physically, energetically, physiologically. Different parts even hold different memories. And they also hold different skills. And so they created this wonderful method, which is so embracing. And then you come of of anything and then you come back to center and you get to decide and center because you're stronger as you understand, say, your perfectionist better or your quiet one better. And then you have access to both the strengths and the stings of each part of yourself. And then you can use them much more planfully. Mm. So I, I love this. I want to explain this to the listeners. So this another very important concept in your book, The Final Eighth, is that we all have inner selves that can help us accomplish our goals. And as you say, the title of your book is The Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals. How do we start a list of our different selves? Like I know you write in the book words like the perfectionist, the critic, Johnny Be Good, Tough Tess. What are some of the other words that we can use in this list of our different selves. So one of the exercises I have in the book, which I recommend anyone do as they're listening, is you can go through your day and notice which selves are operating. So the first job is to start to notice them and you can literally list them. And if I may ask you, Judy, if the if your alarm clock goes off really early in the morning mm-hmm. and goes and you are in a deep sleep and it jolts you out of that, what are a few selves that respond to that alarm clock of you? Yes. But one of them for sure would be, wow, it's a great start to the day. I'm going to get so much work done. Then the other voice would say, but I have to go back to bed or I'll never get through this day of all the script writing and interviews that I have to do. Another one would be, this is a great time to start doing some of my Instagram posts before it gets too noisy. Oh, I wonder if I can fit in some time for exercise and a lovely walk outside, but I got to make the coffee and I got to do this. (laughs) There are lots of different things happening. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And none of them are inherently wrong or bad, and they all have their agenda for you because from their point of view, they want their version of the best Judy day ever. So uh, like your perfectionist and your doer and your responsible one say might team up and say, no, no, I agree with the perfectionist. Let's get up. Then you can get a ton done. And they may even give you some future promise or present. Like, and if you get done by mid afternoon, then you can take your walk. Right. (laughs) So true. You just get used to this. And then again, you can choose. So then you're like, all right. And often that just makes more compassion and you don't feel so resentful because you also feel like you have more choice. No, I am going to get up and I am going to do my 17 tasks before the walk because (laughs) I choose to. It's very different than having being flooded with a self that takes your exhausted body and then just kind of attitudinously makes you go through your uh, task list. Absolutely. You you talk about how we need to start by identifying our primary selves and then identifying our different selves. And you've just sort of demonstrated that with me so well. I'm just wondering, though, if you can also speak to the idea that might people might feel uncomfortable at first, but once you get over the hump of doing it, it can lead to great freedom and tremendous breakthroughs. But when you ask people to search for all of their different selves, 
they, they might feel a little weird about that at first. Can you just speak to that and how we get over that? Because the payoff is so great. People still have fear. Like I'm, I think Netflix must still be playing Sybil because they're all like, oh, my God. I'm turning into Sybil. Well, Sybil is actually uh, disassociative uh, identity disorder, which is a very terrible uh, trauma-based disorder. So I think I like to honor that. I think one of humans' big concerns are, am I crazy? And so that's part of it is like, I don't want to be crazy. And so I calm people down. No, the whole premise of voice dialogue is that our healthy personality is that we consist of many, many selves. And so when we kind of get over the hump that we're not uh, going to be fractured, just the reverse, by doing this, we're going to actually get an expanded sense of who we are. And it's a real way into finding and also maintaining your bliss. Like, that early childhood frivolous thing you put down that still calls you every now and then. And you're like, well, who called that bliss idea frivolous? That might've been a self. And maybe you don't agree with that part of you anymore. Like I want to try this and it's not frivolous if I spend some time doing what I like to do. Can you give us an example of a really evocative painting picture with words example of what our primary selves might look like and then what our inner selves would look like? just so people can really um, see it as a tangible thing. Absolutely. So our primary selves are what we might call, this is just me. It's who I present to the world. So, and a a lot of them are really terrific. We don't put down our primary selves. They've gotten us where we are today. So a great example would be a really good parent. Uh, And a really good parent cares about their parenting. And and so that parent might get up when the alarm clock rings and have the responsible one and the loving one and the playful one, Mm -hmm. the role model, like, so maybe has to, if, if, if that role model part of that primary self system, we would call it, that's a good parent might say, be a little irritated, but then think to herself, wait, I want to show how uh, adults successfully manage their irritation because I want my five-year-old to see me do that. So that would be a way primary selves operate in somebody. And they they kind of share a goal of being a good parent in this particular um, example. And so that might include also shopping well because you want to be a nutritional cook. So those would be all primary selves. And then uh, disowned selves or hidden selves might be uh, the part, the, the, sing, the former single lady who really misses being irresponsible and not having to answer to a clock. And so, uh, and maybe even a lazy bones who just wants to read and disappear and, uh, or a grudge holder, people or envy, an envious self, all of those selves that can be really difficult physiologically to feel, but are definitely there. And I like to say that voice dialogue gives you a direct relationship by talking, say, to the envy self or the grudge holder. Then you find out what their wisdom is, and you can deal directly. So maybe this primary self collection or this primary parent with all these great primary selves they could learn that they need to relax a little or maybe a couple times a month get a massage so that they can feel a little bit of that hedonistic self, but in a way that fits the current life container. That's really great. I love your example in the book of the character you write about called Sophia's Passion. Can you tell tell us about Sophia's Passion and a little bit about her story? Yeah, so Sophie was someone who had 
was struggling to whether to stay in her relationship or leave the relationship. And it was one of those on and off again relationships where they really both loved each other. And they met in college. And so they had spent a lot of their years together and then a lot of time apart. And so she was back once again, uh, not sure what to do at the final eighth. Should I get married or should I break up? And I really need to decide. And that's when she came to me because that was her final eighth issue. Should I stay or should I go? And then we went to her passion self, which was a hidden self. And mm-hmm. it shocked her because this passion self physiologically just took more space and she was sensual and a little bit dangerous and just alive with her libido. And she basically said she was not happy with the sex life at all. In fact, she was bored and that shocked Sophie and embarrassed her. And then she told the truth which was that Sophie had had a lover in one of the breakup times that had awakened this passion self. So now this passion self literally had someone had memories of lovemaking and adventuring with this person who dumped her. And then she went back to her tried and true guy. And what passion awakened in Sophie was you can have a life that has passion and you can still love this person who you've had so much time with, but this is not your proper spouse. You are going to be locked down in a regular life that doesn't suit you. And so even though it was scary, she ended up breaking up and then she had to tolerate the fear of not knowing whether she'd have another relationship. What would that look like? And she had to deal with her mother's attachment to her former fiance. Hmm. So a lot of times when people shift and start to embrace other parts of themselves, people in their life aren't the happiest. They liked when you were your primary self was that responsible one on call. Sure, I'll drive you to the mall. No problem. When do you want me to pick you up? (laughs) And suddenly, because you are passionate about something and you're not going to be available until, say, you finish your painting, your circle has to get used to that. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the book. I call it practice safe success so that you can strengthen yourself while your loved ones adjust to the readjustment in you. Hmm. That's fantastic. How do you think, Bridget, your work as an improv artist, because you've also done all this work in the theater as a writer, performer, actor, it's fascinating. How do you think that working as an improv artist and performer helped you with exercises like questions for an inner self, where you sit in the aware chair and ask your different selves an array of questions. Can you paint us a picture of what that looks like? Yes, I think as an improviser, we are taught from the beginning that the philosophy is yes and. So you just jump in, you you don't hesitate, you just accept what's there and you jump in. So I think I came to all of the voice dialogue and then my uh, learning and training with that philosophy. And so when you're sitting in the aware chair and we, we start with the primary self. Um, would Judy, would you be willing to do a little bit of this with me and I'll show it with you? Sure, sure. Okay. Love this. I mean, I'm usually the life coach. It's fun to be the recipient. Yay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so good. It's my pleasure. So Judy, you just sit where you're sitting. But tell me one of your primary selves, a part that's very operational in your life these days. Uh, I'm uh, I'm working 24 seven. My my team who's on this line can attest to it. I work a lot, 
And that doesn't leave me enough time to do what I need to do, which is to lose some weight. It's not a major, major thing, but I would like to lose some weight just to be more healthy. And I struggle with it. And I think part of my work hours are so intense that I don't have the time that I would like to exercise and really focus on it a little more. Perfect. So I hear at least two selves within this dilemma. Mm. What would you name your own 24 hour, 24 seven self? Workaholic Wendy. Oh, okay. Perfect. So Workaholic Wendy, uh, we could ask her any amount of questions, which I'll ask you a couple. And the idea is, notice I I referred to her to Wendy in the third person. So even just this idea that you have now labeled a part of yourself. So you know that Workaholic Wendy does not hold the whole truth. Now, she would want to make you think she does. And from her point of view, you, Judy, are safest if you're working all the time. From her point of view, somehow she's come to the conclusion that you are at your best and most safe if she just keeps you working. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say she cares about your particular workaholic, Wendy? Well, I think, you know, there's no question that what you put into something is what you get out of it. This show, um, we've just had our 50th episode. I think you're on it. Um, It's so exciting. (laughs) And uh, there's no question, as you know, you know, as you know, being an author and being, you know, a successful um, entrepreneur and writer and, and performer, that you get out of something what you put into it. So there's no question that there was one interview we had that was quite important to me. It was um, with a performer, with a singer, and I stayed up till 2.15 in the morning, reading every review that had ever been written about her work. She's a a very talented singer and performer. I might have been able to chill back a little bit and just stay up till 11, but I really felt compelled. Part of it is that I was passionate about it. I was excited about it, but I also really feel that I am a bit of of a perfectionist, I guess, and I want it to be the best it can be. And I thought that staying up till 11 would give me 80% or a B plus, and I like to aim for an A plus. So I think that's part of what, you know, what goes through my mind when I'm doing all the extra work. And and there is a payoff. The show is better. The show is good. Uh, people love it. People want to be on it. People uh, do very well. Uh, you know, great things happen to them after they're on the show. You know, so it's hard to let go of that. It's it's seductive, right? It's It's very intoxicating because... You know, everyone likes to get an A plus and to work hard. So and I know we're going to get to the double bind question in a minute, which I know is that's the double bind. Right. But you also need to have balance. And I and I know that. Exactly. And you 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 have jumped into the, the spirit of it completely. So everything I heard you say was amazing. In other words, she's got higher purpose goals, partly a workaholic Wendy, like she cares about excellence. She cares about giving a beautiful program and she succeeds. And so you get to honor her many, many, many gifts. And she works with many other parts. I also heard like your perfectionist, like your mm-hmm. just do it self. Like, you know, even if you're tired, you can do this. And there's nothing wrong with that until something happens physically, which might force you to slow down. So the mm-hmm. other thing is that often it gets keeps you having choice. In other words, if we listen to this part of you that wants to lose weight, and maybe it's more, we're going to find out it's more about health, you get to say, okay, I don't want to be stopped because I got a diagnosis and now I have to take two weeks off 
in, in bed rest and then not then workaholic Wendy will have zero time. That's the other thing that is so wonderful is that it's a way you get you get to listen to the message sooner than the emergency call. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so what would be the other side of workaholic Wendy? I, and it, maybe it's not about losing the weight, but one that occurs to you now or the. Mm-hmm. I would say that would be wellness. We need another good W name. Well, <laughs> wellness Wanda, who, who is saying that, you know, this is all very well and good, but whether it's getting up earlier or starting work, you know, stopping work a little bit earlier, you got to fit in that hour walk a day because it's, it's wonderful. And every time I do it, it's, it's so great. Uh, and it does feel so good. And truthfully, it does revitalize the other parts of the work. It actually helps you work better and you feel better and it's all a good thing. So it's just really making, I think, a conscious decision and creating that intention, going back to the six o'clock in the morning thing of saying, you know what, I'm going to get up earlier or really carve out a space in the day to do this. So I would ask Wellness Wanda, what gets in the way? How come Judy doesn't listen to you? Because <laughs> there's there's so much to do. I honestly, Bridget, the, the reality is because of COVID, there's way more work to be done. That That's really the reality. So it's trying to just balance all of this work, this extra work with wellness. Yes. And you bring up a huge point, which I'm so glad that all of us on this planet have this COVID learning curve. And, and those are sometimes ways that we can actually develop new selves. And that's the other great thing about voice dialogue is you can actively cultivate parts that maybe you didn't need before, and maybe you even prefer not to have to need them, but they're there now and they help you. And so I would, I think this is great. And then just give yourself a learning curve time. And then it seems like wellness Wanda is making herself known to you. And And you are, you're juggling like so many of us on this globe, the COVID era of different scheduling, different everything, different criteria in different ways. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know what? It's, It's actually really cool, though, because there's so many great skills that we have all been forced to to uh, acquire, right? That there's so many great skills. I'm thrilled that I have those skills. And it's just a re, you know, it's a reshifting and a rebalancing. And and it's so great. Just having this conversation is making me realize that, okay, I have another interview at three, but I certainly can go for a lovely walk at five. So I've got to do that, oh. you know, and as opposed to just sort of chilling, because I think it'll be even a greater chill to, you know, after the walk. So yeah, that's really, really cool. I love that. I love it. You say in the book that things can get in the way, like the napper, the substance abuser, the web surfer, distractions. What do we do about those distractions? I think we kind of alluded it a little bit in when we were working with some of yourselves. I would say first you talk to them and you dialogue. And so the workaholic keeps you structured and it keeps you energized. But for whatever reason, unstructured time, when you then you're not sure what your role is going to be, maybe you're socially insecure and just structured time, you can handle much easier. Once you realize what they're trying to protect you from with their only the methods that they have, meaning as that part of you, you get a much larger sense of compassion for yourself. And then you 
find better ways than those cells to take care of the problem. Mm -hmm. I love that. One of the most important parts of the book, Bridget, is the double bind. And I, I know I think we just revealed my double bind a little bit earlier in this interview. But can you just talk more about what the double bind is and how it prevents us from reaching our goals? Absolutely. So the double bind is proverbially between a rock and a hard place. But in fact, it's very difficult psychological quandary and it's quite painful. And so what I've come to realize is that when people are stuck and especially stuck right in front of their finish line, so it doesn't make sense, they've worked hard, they're dedicated, I realize that there are parts of that person who are for the goal, who believe it can be done, who have felt done the work, and then suddenly they're stalled because suddenly the hidden parts come up and they're parts of themselves that are not for the goal. And I say that they're not for the goal for excellent reasons. We don't know what they are, but they're not your enemy. And so then doing voice dialogue with those cells, like what's going on, resistance, or procrastinator, or highly emotional one. What's happening that that you're that's making us so stuck? And it's often breathtaking what they have to say. One client, it turned out she was going, she was an actor and she was getting better and better roles in more and more prestigious ways. She was heading towards Broadway. She had just gotten a very prestigious off-Broadway contract. And then basically stalled. And I've worked with this person for a while. And what came out, what I said, I said, let's go to the resistance because she wasn't following up on agent interest. In other words, they were already interested. The universe was saying yes. So why are you saying no when you've made this universe start to say yes to you? Because yeses from the universe are hard sometimes. Well, what this self said was that this self was worried that my client would head into a drinking problem if she got too big thus more exposed and the extra stress from all of this success would actually jeopardize her. And from this person's part of her point of view, whether to be an alcoholic or a Broadway star, there was no contest. You're not going to be an alcoholic. That's more important. So our whole shift of our, our work shifted, obviously when that came out and then she had, she did move up and she was much safer and thus able to handle this bigger, more successful life. Wow. That's a great story. I love that story. I love when you write that when you finally decide to face your demons, you will also find your angels. We're going to go to a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear the answer to that lovely quote. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'm here with Bridget Dangle-Gaspard, the author of The Final Eighth. Bridget, I was just mentioning before the break that I love when you write, when you finally decide to face your demons, you will also find your angels. What did you mean by that? We have so many parts, and what we often don't realize is that we have squelched some of our strengths to make people happy, to fit in. And so when you start to explore your different selves, you realize, wow, I've got this charismatic self or this sensual self. And maybe you grew up that you weren't supposed to be too sassy and flirty. And so you just were a good girl, a proper person, and you don't realize you've got these fun, playful, flirty selves. And then you find out that you do. And again, within whatever is in your comfort range, you realize, wow, I've got these fun parts. Many of my exercises in the book are a lot of fun. The other thing is maybe you've got some strength that were somehow put down because you it wasn't appropriate in your original household. So you didn't realize that you've actually buried amazing things like literal strength or brainstorming. Maybe people said, oh, you're so crazy. When in fact, you your brain could think of lots of ideas, but it was labeled wrongly. It was a false label, but you believed it. So you thought, well, I'm just flighty. When in fact, maybe you're the best brainstormer around because you're like, let's dig in. And that is marvelous when you're like, wow, I can just sit and brainstorm and then I'll come up with something. I don't have to put myself down because I don't think like a linear person. Mm-hmm. I love that. I am a life coach. I often deal with people's inner critic and the inner critic is a major player and you devote quite a bit of time to core negative beliefs and the inner critic in your book. How does the inner critic disrupt us when we're very, very close to that finish line and how do we move past it to get to that wonderful feeling of accomplishment and glory? The inner critic is an early self. It's been with us almost from the beginning. And it's been a sponge for all of the warnings of your life. Be careful. And slowly taking in the negative messages and is uh, always watching you. So again, it from its point of view, it's trying to protect your vulnerability. But from its point of view, safety is so primary to it that it would rather you do nothing than risk some type of exposure that growth naturally gives you. So it picks up the family credo, and many of them are things like, you know, a fool and his money are soon parted. So then the inner critic is don't don't risk money or any arena in your life. It's like, don't do it. Don't, 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 because that's the safest. And some inner critics become toxic. I treat the inner critic, especially a toxic one, like keep your enemies close just to be able to monitor them. But the truth is an inner critic has tons of qualities we need. And it's almost like we can detox the inner critic. We understand that it wants to protect us, but it has absolutely the wrong strategies. And they're usually still working from some past caregiver, some parent. So a lot of my work with people is let's get this inner critic 
It's your general and you are the commander. And so the inner critic will never be warm and fuzzy and soft and friendly, but it's going to guide you. So instead of insulting you for being stupid, it can guide you for what it feels is a good direction. But then you as commander in chief of yourself get to decide. And then the inner critic, you can use so many of its wonderful qualities, like its energy. It never runs out of energy. Yeah, yeah. What is the key difference between people who achieve their goals easily and people who don't? I think there's a few things that that go on. One is some people achieve their goals easily because somehow biologically they're kind of fit for the thing that they actually love and they more or less got opportunity to do it and it fit them. It fit their temperament and their time on this planet. And so those people don't really have final eighth issues. And so that's one way. The other way I think is that people misinterpret sometimes the difficulties of the journey of going to your goals as proof that they're of their core negative beliefs, that they're not good enough. This is really hard and I'm really slow right now at something equals I'm not good enough. And I really tried to break that. It's hard and that's why you're going slow, but it does not equal that you're not good enough. And when we talk to the different selves that hold that and realize, wow, they believe it. That's true that they believe it, but it is not true that you're not good enough. And I think that's the difference is that the people have to do their work to find out what's going on. And I'm talking about people who already are working hard. So it's not doubling down on the tasks for many people slowing down and entering the space of these vulnerable selves is harder. And, but that's the work that's often required then to go and go into your bliss Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I see this a lot in my practice as a coach is people having a hard time crossing the finish line um, with weight loss, like, as I've just mentioned. So myself included with, um, you know, with, with so many things, they're, they're so close to writing that book. They they stop somehow. Uh, there There's all these different things. Actually, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a stuck moment with my book right now. See, I'm making myself oh. so vulnerable on the show. But If someone is having a hard time crossing the finish line, what ultimately do you suggest to them? I talk to, I would say, let's talk to those parts that are owning your calendar anyway. So the part that eats instead of doesn't eat or any of those parts that are labeled as the problem, getting in the way from losing that last five pounds or whatever it is. And really being curious because I've never in all my time of doing this, seen a part not have something surprising to offer. And, and that, and not like you might even say the part, I know I treat you like the enemy, but, but I'm, I don't, I'm so, I don't know what to do. And you keep going for the cookies. I, I actually dealt with a client yesterday about that. And I said, well, let's find out that part that wants the cookies, what's going on. And usually there's grief involved. That part holds some painful part of that person's life. And so we can grieve it mm-hmm. and then it frees you up and you don't have there. Like, it's not like you have to front. Mm-hmm. So often these parts are holding parts of the story of a, of a person that it's not that you're going to live in this negative state, but you have to own that that happened and it was sad or it was a loss. And then you don't have to act out in terms of like eating the wrong things or for, 
overspenders or wherever it is that the avoidance of the grief is being acted out in some type of behavior that stops the goal from going into the finish line. Uh, isn't a lot of it, Bridget, just about self-care and self-love that when you're going for that cookie or you're not doing the walk or whatever, that you need to almost remind yourself that you are worth it and you don't need the cookie to be happy, then in fact, you're going to be happier without the cookie in the long run. Is part of this just about self-care? Absolutely. And then maybe asking, so what do you want? In other words, maybe say, so what do you want? We can't have cookies, but what do you want? And then it would be self-care. But maybe what that particular self wants is to just journal her thoughts every Saturday for 10 minutes. Like it could surprise you. So I would say yes, but don't assume you know what that particular self wants in terms of self-care. Was it difficult for you, Bridget, to get to the final eighth in completing your book? And how did your inner selves help you accomplish your goals? It was very difficult. The final eighth is my journey. And I share about how I went really close to some very important goals, including as a performer, and I backed off and it stayed with me. And so everything I have in the book, I've worked with participants, but it's because I needed it. I consider myself a wounded healer. And one of the things that kept happening is I just kept going back to the writing. Like it didn't leave me. And I worked on this for years and I'd leave for a while, but it always came back. And I feel like that part of me, that one that just keeps coming back, the willing one, that feels, to be honest, like a gift from God. I I don't know why I have that self. And I think we all have that kind of self. It's different for each of us. And I just kept going back and healing my wounding around my not following my dreams fully and not crossing the final eighth myself. And then ultimately I have. Um, And it's wonderful, but I have to get strong enough to handle success. Mm -hmm. I understand that so well. You know, you started writing as soon as you could hold the pencil. And it's so interesting when I was reading your biography about how you've enjoyed this whole other career as an actor, writer, producer, even star of your own web series. You've been an entertainment journalist, which I did for many years. So I really related to that. And I, it's so interesting because it's like you started this as a young girl with the writing. And now you've come back to it full circle with this wonderful book that is really going to help make the world a better place. That must have landed in a very wonderful place for you. Thank you. It does feel like now I'm in a part of my life where I get to use all my parts, including being with you today on the radio. It's like I get to be my I'm I'm with you, but I'm also aware of the performance aspects and learning the new COVID technology, which includes presentation. And I get to write and I love writing. I always have. (laughs) So great. I love that. What is bliss for Bridget Dangle Gaspard? Dancing. It has always been (laughs) moving. I have always loved moving and dancing, whether or not there's a beat. (laughs) That's pure and simple. Isn't that lovely? What kind of dancing? Like just dancing like live or or jazz or do you have a certain type of dance or just freestyle? Freestyle. I did minor in dance in college, but truly, I think I probably like funk and um, drums the best, but anything. I will dance to the wind. I just... 
I have always, that's an arena where I've just always felt free to move however I like. That's so cool. And what I love about this job is I'm always so surprised about what people's bliss is. And this is one of the coolest answers because I didn't expect that at all. That's really amazing. (laughs) What is the best way for people to get in touch with you, Bridget, and follow you on social media? You can find me through finaleighth.com or Google final eighth or my name and I'm all over social media and please do just connect with me and I'll be happy to say hello. That's great. I, I want to thank you so much for being here, Bridget. It's been so lovely having you and, and boy, very soul bearing too. Wow. Um, it's <laughs> the, book is, <laughs> the book is called the final eighth enlist your inner cells to accomplish your goals. And we're going to go on a short commercial break. That was just lovely, Bridget. Thank you. More of finding your bliss and this week's featured artists. When we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And today we're joined by a very talented artist. Our featured guest this week is Trevay Williams. Trevay Williams was born and raised in London, Ontario, and he's a 22-year-old up-and-coming theater artist. He's a third-year student of the prestigious Honors Bachelor of Music Theater Performance Program at Sheridan College, and music and entertaining has always been a huge part of Trevay's life. When he was just one years old, he would lay on his stomach and play rhythmic beats with his hands and feet, entertaining his very large family. He got his first mini drum set when he was only four years old. Trevay has quickly grown into a very well-rounded artist. He is a singer, dancer, choreographer, actor, and musician. Not only is he a great musician and theater artist, but Trevay makes it his priority to constantly spread, and I love this about him, the best love, encouragement, and motivation through inspiring online posts, through his very uplifting, beautiful music, and in his daily life. Trevay hopes to have a sustaining and successful career in the arts after graduating from Sheridan College in 2022, and he is optimistic for great opportunities where he can express his unique artistry. Trevay, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you you here. Trevay, you are known at Sheridan College for being an incredibly talented pop singer, songwriter, and a fantastic dancer and actor too. As we mentioned in your intro, you've loved music since you were a baby. Do you remember the first time that you actually performed and what you sang? The first time? Um, I The first time I ever sang something was at church years, years and back. Um, and 
my church was very encouraging. I don't think it was that great. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet um, it was. I bet it was. I've always had such an encouraging family and just people to lift me up. So yeah, that was my first time singing in church. That's so cool. You're an amazing songwriter and we're going to be playing one of your newest songs very soon called We're Going to Be All Right. Can you tell us some who some of your musical inspirations have been? Um, My musical inspirations... I want to say, first thing that comes to mind is Beyonce. Wow. <laughs> love her. <laughs> um, John Legend, um, CV Wonder. Mm. Yeah. Those are the first three that come to mind. That's so cool. What inspired you to write this song, We're Going to Be All Right? So I wrote this song when I was in a very rough place. I mean, 2020 has been crazy for us all. And I find that the way I deal with my stress and anxiety is lifting other people up, especially through music. And I remember asking my Instagram page, I said, who, what do you guys want me to write about? And everyone said, I just need something to lift me up. And that was the inspiration. And that's where my lyrics came from. Um, I just wanted to, to lift, lift the community up in this hard time. That's so fantastic. And that's exactly what it does. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear it momentarily. What else have you been doing musically, Trevay, during this pandemic? During this pandemic, I have been... Working with different theater companies, I've been working with Smile Theater Company, where we sing for old folks' homes, and oh. we um, just bless them with music during this time where we can't see them in person. We just send them videos, and they just have a great time. I've been singing for my church, um, just blessing also the old people at my church. You know, it's so hard because I usually get to see them in person, but I'm so glad for technology now that we can just find a way to bless them through camera. You're such a good person, Trevay. That's what I love about you. You're not only talented, but you're a really wonderful human being. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what is bliss for Trevay Williams? Ah, bliss. Bliss for me is love. I find that I have, as I said, I've had a loving family and we've been through a lot, but the one thing that always brings us through is love and spreading love. And that is what brings me through. That is what brings me perfect happiness is just encouraging someone else because when I can see that I can make a put a smile on someone else's face it brings me so much joy to see that I have something that can lift someone up I love that yeah what is the best way Trevay for people to get in touch with you on social media um so on all social media platforms Instagram Twitter Facebook um just Trevay Williams T-R-A-V-A-E Williams um you can find me on any of those platforms and I have music on Spotify and Apple Music and on YouTube at Trevay Williams. Mm. Yeah. That's so awesome. I know you kind of did this already, but can, mm -hmm. you, just, can you set up the song? We're going to be all right for, for our listening audience. Yeah. So when listening to the song, I want you guys to just take a moment to breathe and let the lyrics soothe your soul and just let it bring you comfort because, you know, we're in a crazy time, but... There is always hope. As long as there is life, there is hope. So let the lyrics feed your soul, and I hope you enjoy. <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. Here is We're Gonna Be All Right by Trevay Williams. Be all right, be all right, be all, be all.
gonna be alright One day we woke up and our world changed It came crashing down yeah. Many people dying in pain We gotta turn this thing around Keep your head up Keep your love up And don't let the state of the world keep you down Cause we gon' rise up Keep on vibing Keep on surviving. I just came to let you know that we're gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. We're gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. We're gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. We're gonna be alright. We're gonna be alright. We're gonna be alright. We live in a world filled with hate and violence. of the world keep me down cause we gon' rise up keep on surviving and keep on surviving I just came to let you know we gon' be alright be alright be alright we gon' be alright be alright be alright we gon' be alright be alright be alright we gon' 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 be alright. Be alright. We gon' be alright. Can we take it off and say, Be alright. Hey, we gon' be alright. Awesome, Trevay. I love that song so much. I wish you could have seen the smile on my face. And it just sort of goes right into your soul. Like it, it just uh, reaches right into your soul. I just love the vibe of that song. Oh, and I just so love your voice. Congratulations. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so great. How can people listen to the song, Trevay? How can people get that song? Yeah. So the, the song title is We Gonna Be All Right. And you can search it up on Spotify, on Apple Music, or on YouTube. Um, and just search up Treve Williams. We go and be all right. And it should pop up. Oh, it's so fantastic. Will you come back again for the next song, Treve? It's of been course. so wonderful having you here. I want to thank you so much for being on Finding Your Bliss today. It was just great to have you. And I'm so thrilled and happy for you about your song and your music and uh, your whole journey, really. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. If you're a singer, each week we spotlight a singer, singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. So if you are a singer and you want to be considered to appear on Finding Your Bliss Radio, please write to us at music at Finding Your Bliss com and of course we also feature lots of authors and experts and wonderful other people as well we also encourage you to visit our online magazine at www.findingyourbliss.com and we're always looking for writers so if you want to write us a nice article about your bliss we'd love to hear from you you can do that at info at findingyourbliss.com and of course follow us at the bliss minute on instagram and the bliss minute on facebook
For more information, go to at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and click on the link in my bio to hear all about Finding Your Bliss coaching or go to findingyourbliss.com and click on coaching. We would also love to hear from you. We would love to hear what your ideas are for future shows, any singers or guests that you would love for us to feature. Please fill out our Finding Your Bliss survey available at www.findingyourbliss.com slash survey. And please make sure to sign up for our upcoming Bliss newsletter, where you will get a boost of bliss in your inbox on a regular basis. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and The Bliss Minute on Facebook. I would like to thank all of my guests for being here today, Bridget Dangle Gaspard and Trevay Williams. As well, thanks to supervising producer Mag Ruffman, production manager Siobhan Kiley, PA researcher and editor Haley Allegia, audio producer Faz Kazi, and of course, everyone here at Zoomer. And as well, we want to give a very special thanks to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. We are going to close out the show today with a short quote by Bridget Dangle Gaspard from her book, The Final Eighth. Crossing the finish line unleashes many emotions. Some are huge, wild waves of elation. Others are wisps of ecstasy and quiet gratitude. I hope that you all achieve your dreams and goals, passion and purpose, and cross your finish line, whatever that might be. For all of us here, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.